0: This episode of Dietitian Turned Designer is sponsored by MailerLite, the ultimate solution for all of your email marketing needs. As a dietitian, designer, and entrepreneur, I've had the opportunity to test numerous email marketing systems. And MailerLite has been the one that I've loved the most. Why do I love it so much? Because it's simple. It offers an intuitive interface, a ton of features, not to mention analytics, and so much flexibility. And that just makes it my go-to choice for anyone looking to supercharge their email campaigns. And I've partnered with MailerLite to bring you an exclusive offer. So if you use my link, go, G-O, dot declett backslash mailer light you'll get a twenty dollar credit when you sign up today so stay tuned because this episode we are talking with founder of weight inclusive nutrition and dietetics heather kaplan and we talk all about the journey of creating this organization and all the things that it has done over the years and how it has evolved and how it continues to support dietitians in this weight inclusive space i hope you enjoy it Welcome everyone this week. I'm excited because I have Heather Kaplan here representing wind weight, inclusive nutrition and dietetics. Welcome Heather. Hi,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So I thought we could just talk about wind and tell us about the story of how you got to create wind and what kind of led you to wanting to establish the organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Knowing that folks here listening are probably many entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, I kind of want to start by saying like, when I started a business, I certainly did not have any vision for this business. No. <laughs> this was <laughs> not where I started at all. I started in private practice. I feel like you can relate to this, Courtney. Yes. Like. This was not in like my five year plan whatsoever. <laughs> um, so when I started wind in the fall of 2018, sort of like that was when the idea came to me. And when I started gathering information and within a few months um, hosted our first event, um, the year that I started it was the year that FENCI was in Washington DC, which is where I lived at the time. And I was at like a happy hour meeting with some RD colleagues and friends of mine in the area. And we were talking about the sessions that were coming up that year and I was actually going to be out of town and I was missing the conference completely, which was like not totally intentional, but maybe subconsciously it was, I don't know. <laughs> um, and we were just kind of all venting about how there was not... A lot of options for weight inclusive providers and it really was just like more of the same every year or it felt that way you know a lot of the same sessions a lot of the same topics the same angle the same approach and we were just feeling really frustrated by that um so i remember leaving that meeting and like driving home and thinking like i We'll just host a conference, like we just being like the collective we. I don't even know who we <laughs> was in my mind, but I was like, we'll just, we'll host a conference and like it will just be weight inclusive nutrition. And like mm-hmm. that's the sessions that we'll get to focus on. And, you know, those are the folks we'll learn from and it will be great. And then I went into like information gathering mode. And I feel like sometimes I'm an Enneagram 7. Like my brain very much works with like ideas and big thoughts and visions and not, I don't work very well on the like detail level. So over the course of my experience as a business owner, I feel like I've had some ideas where I just like act on it immediately and like start doing it right away. And some of those have, have worked really well. One being the podcast that I hosted for five years, like that ended up pretty well for me. Others have totally flopped and I've been like, wow, I really should have like put more thought into that. And this was one of those things where like, I had the idea for this conference and like overall community. I couldn't articulate like the full picture at the time, but I just like knew that this was a big idea. And part of me was like, be really intentional with this. Like, don't rush into it. Don't do anything too quickly. Like this could be a really big thing. So don't just like don't treat it lightly, I guess. Like I, I reached out to probably five or six people and had conversations with them about it. Just like, what would you think? Would you come to this type of event? What would you want to see there? And I reached out to folks in a variety of different spaces and they weren't necessarily just like friends and peers, but like folks I had met in different settings across the span of my career up to that point. And then reached out to Alyssa Rumsey because I knew that she had hosted some events in New York City and basically was like, can you help me? <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I feel like New York could be a fun place to host it, um, which is really weird to me now that I think about it. I'm like, I didn't live in New York. I didn't really have like a solid network in New York. Like it would have made more sense to host it in DC, but for some reason I wanted to do it in New York. And she came on as like a partner in that event and we did it together um, and from there, like we can talk about how it's evolved and everything, but that was really how it started. And for me, like going into that information gathering phase and then also deciding like, okay, let's host this event and see what happens. I had my podcast at the time, which was primarily how we marketed it. Um, and I had a newsletter, but we sold out within three weeks. And I was like, okay, obviously like people want this because this event is happening in two months in the middle of the winter. Like it was not an ideal time. It wasn't like a long runway. Everything happened very quickly, but we sold out and we were like, well, this is what like people wanted. So that's a proof of concept and we can go from there.
0: Yeah, no, I love everything that you just said because <laughs> it's so funny. I've met so many entrepreneurs and there's so many that are Enneagram sevens. I know, which is, I don't know sense. why that's so interesting. I would be curious to see like the stats behind like people or dietitians that went into doing something outside the, you know, the norm of inpatient or outpatient that are Enneagram ones versus sevens. Cause yeah. I'm a one, but I
1: feel like all the people
0: I work with are sevens. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I don't know the Enneagram that well, but what I do know about it from like my own, you know, reading and absorbing information and whatever is as a seven, when I get stressed, my brain goes into like the mode of a one mm-hmm. and that. Once I like read more about that, I was like, oh, that way, that's like way too accurate for me. Like <laughs> I, I take on those qualities and like you probably have all the good qualities of a one, but like mm-hmm. if I'm stressed, I don't. <laughs> it's just like, no, I, <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that I'm mindful of. I can't remember what my, you know, like each type has like, it's the wing growth yeah. and it's stress or, I don't know, I forget what it's called, but um. so yeah, there's, I feel like there's some similarities and like kind of overlaps in mm-hmm. those. Yeah. Not to go on
0: a tangent, but I feel like I relate more to like the Myers-Briggs so like I'm an INFJ and that was the first time I ever read, I, it's not to go off on a tangent, but just to share that when I was in my old job working, you know, in corporate wellness, I would take that test and get a totally different answer than what I get now. Cause I feel like I was masking so much. I wasn't being like my true self, which is why I burned out so quickly. Yeah. And so now when I take it, I get the same
1: thing and it's the INFJ, which makes so much more sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I think that's mine too, but I haven't taken it in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, that's part of like being in this space, right. Is like really knowing yourself and understanding like who, like how you really work best and what works best for you instead of trying to like fit into the mold of, what we think we're supposed to be doing, which is like yeah. my first business was a private practice. And like, that's not really what I wanted to be doing, but it's what I thought an entrepreneur as a dietitian, like that's what I was supposed to do. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've talked before about how my whole family are entrepreneurs and I even posted on my Facebook last week that my mom sent me a picture of this business card I made when I was in elementary school. Cause I had a lemonade stand and I was like designing business cards in the nineties on Microsoft word and paint. <laughs>
1: I love that. I also had a lemonade stand, many lemonade stands, Yes, <laughs> obstacle stand one time that was mm-hmm. harder to keep up with yeah. outside, but I remember making a sign, like a roadside sign for our lemonade stand where I like put a price and I crossed it out yeah. <laughs> and then put like another price. And I was like, limited time offer. And like, I remember being like, what do they say on all the commercials? Like, that's what I need to say yeah. on my sign. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs>
0: I had the um, country time lemonade, like it was made out of cardboard, but like the lemonade stand that you could buy and like put together. Oh, um, had, I like- cannot find a picture of that anywhere. I want to find a picture, like even on Google, I can't find one. So if anyone knows what I'm talking about and has a picture, please send it to me. <laughs>
1: What a throwback. I did not yeah. know this existed, but I definitely would have wanted one.
0: Yeah. I was, it was really exciting when I got it. I remember because <laughs> my lemonade stand was inside because my parents own their own business. So like I was in the lobby of their business, you know, and my mom always says like, you didn't, uh, you know, I invested in that company for you. <laughs> like, You didn't like do it yourself or something. And I'm like, "Yeah." well, I mean, I was like seven. So,
1: <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's great.
0: But I like how you talked about how you reached out to people and asked their opinion, because in a way, I mean, that's market research and that's also brand strategy, you know, to pull this back into, you know, relating it to design, which is what my brain always does. Yeah. Um, because when I talk to people about what exactly brand strategy is, they're always shocked. And when I show them like what's in the document that I make for them, it's like, I tell them 40 pages, but it's usually more than that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Where I like go into you know very detailed pieces of their target audience and not just like their wants and needs, but you know like you know the whole thing of like where are they shopping? And I don't do it in the sense of what people have talked about before, like um what I call it an avatar. I don't do that because oh, yeah. it's so specific. Like you know, I've said this a million times, but like Susie that shops at Target and you know is twenty three years old. Um, yeah. I don't do that so much as focus on the problem that they're solving. So you were solving a specific problem. Like you said, you reached out to a variety of spaces. It wasn't like, you know, one specific person is only interested in this, a variety of people are interested in this problem solving. Yeah. So speaking of that, can you talk about some of the challenges or resistance that you've seen dietitians facing when they're trying to adopt these weight inclusive practices and how does Win help provide support and
1: resources for this? Yeah. So I mean, one of the challenges that I think, I don't know if this is directly answering the question, but one thing that comes to mind for me is like a lot of folks, when they first hear about weight inclusive care or non-diet care, the assumption is like one, that's only applicable in private practice. And two, it's mostly for eating disorder practitioners. And thankfully, what the wind community has proven over and over again, every year is that's neither of those things are true. It's applicable across the board of dietetics and definitely not just for eating disorders. It benefits all of our clients in all of the spaces. And that being said, there are certainly different types of challenges that folks face in different work settings, right? Like, so if you're in private practice and one, if you own the business, you have all the autonomy in the world to practice how it aligns with your values. And if you're in a group practice, hopefully you've sought one out where like you have the agency to practice from a weight inclusive place. But of course, that's not going to be true, or it's maybe not as simple as that in clinical settings or community settings or public health settings, et cetera. And like, especially in kind of more public health community settings, there are actually policies in place where practitioners have to do certain things or abide by certain rules that make it really challenging to be weight-inclusive. Um, one thing that Regan Chastain mentioned in our foundation's workshop during her session was that from her perspective as an activist and an educator in this space, our healthcare system, including dietetics, could be weight-neutral like tomorrow. Like, we could be weight neutral very easily, even with all of the systems in place and all of the legislation and all of the insurance requirements. Like, weight neutral is very achievable and wouldn't require massive shifts, but weight inclusive practices are a little further away. <laughs> so, what we try to do with WIN is there, to me, with WIN, there have always been three pillars community connection and education. So, what a lot of folks will say when they find the WIND Facebook group or Instagram or newsletter or website or all of the above is like, oh, I've been looking for other weight-inclusive providers, or I've been looking for a place where I can learn or uh, I can connect with other weight-inclusive students or interns or preceptors or whatever. And so the community piece of it is huge. Like we opened the Facebook group initially just for the first event attendees. We just that's like the easiest place sometimes to connect people and get like event information. So that was the purpose of the Facebook group for about six months. And then we had people joining the newsletter who were like, well, can I go in the Facebook group? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, why not? I don't know. Like doesn't have to be just for the New York people. And then we had another event. So then it was those people. And then it was like, then we just had this organic, like, Oh, this person wants to join this person wants to join. And all of it was like, we have membership questions. Like, what are you looking to get out of this group? And probably eight times out of 10, it's community with like-minded providers. That's what people are searching for. And once you have that, no matter where you work, you feel less alone in what you're doing, right? And so you feel supported. You feel like maybe more confident. You feel like you can advocate for the care that you want to provide to your clients, patients, community, et cetera. So that's a big piece of it. And then the connection piece is when I think of like, oh, you're in public health and I know this person is in public health. Oh, you work at a WIC program. I know this person works at a WIC program. Like let's connect you so that you each can talk more specifically about what you're doing and how it could be weight inclusive, because maybe a lot of the conversations you're seeing in the Facebook group or the newsletter or online, like don't specifically apply to for example, WIC. So like, let's let these providers have this connection so they can talk, however, like offline or through Zoom or whatever that like helps them actually feel supported. Um, and then obviously education is a huge part of it. So we make an effort at all of our events to not only learn from providers, but also learn from activists and folks who have lived experience in the areas that they're educating us on or talking about. And, not sticking to like just clinical application. Like sometimes we get feedback from RDs that are like, I thought this was event, this event would be more nutrition focused. And like, you know, there's always room for us to grow in terms of communication and marketing. But to me, I'm like, that's not all that weight inclusive care is about. And it's applicable outside of just nutrition interactions. Like there's so much more to the conversation. And so when we I hope that when we bring all of those other pieces into it, in addition to nutrition and clinical application, we can reach more people in different settings that do feel that challenge of like actually applying weight inclusive practices to the work that they're doing.
0: This is just my curiosity. Do you have an example of when someone like maybe it wasn't clear, didn't quite understand like what the topic was really talking about and kind of how did you take that and move forward like for
1: the next time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing that folks actually always want is like, we always get requests for more MNT focused sessions. And I think part of that is like, one, it's helpful. Like, again, we have this assumption kind of like, culturally and dietetics that weight inclusive care is just private practice and or just eating disorders. And so if we have more MNT focused sessions, we have more clinicians who work in different settings that feel like, okay, now I have the tools that I need to apply this to the work that I do. And so that's always going to be helpful, but I also think, and I don't necessarily think that like other big conferences just have nutrition but primarily like a dietetics conference is going to focus a lot on nutrition and so i think part of it is like this pattern of like oh i go to this conference these are the types of sessions i attend and so we just kind of expect more of the same even if we're going to a different organization right whereas i really feel like especially in the last 5 years where I have learned the most and been able to apply it to work in dietetics is when I've gone to non-nutrition conferences. <laughs> so to me, it just feels really important that we have all of that encapsulated at WIND. And we also serve our primary like community demographic is dietitians. Like that's the primary provider that we have in our community so I try to do both. And like, for example, at Austin, our most recent event, we had the theme was the future of weight inclusive care. And we were trying to kind of look more like big picture instead of just talking about like, when you go into your job on Monday, here's what you can do. Right. And we maybe could have done a better job, like explaining why we came up with that theme and why it was important to us. And we had Sessions focused more on like the broad view of inclusive care, the landscape of research right now, how eating disorder treatment is changing overall, like not just within dietetics, but more virtual options and accessibility and culture competencies and all of these things. We had uh, Kimmy Singh talk about the importance of learning from fat activists and fat providers. So like, that's not just clinical application. That's like who were you learning from and where are you going out in the community to learn? And Whitney Trotter and Laura, you spoke on supervision and how to bring an anti-oppression lens to your supervision and who you're seeking supervision from. And so like none of those things are necessarily pieces of information that attendees could be like, Oh, on Monday, I'll just do this. Right. Or like next month I'll change this in my practice and I'll do that. Like, some of it was that, but a lot of it was more of like, let's kind of think bigger, think a little bit wider, open our minds a little bit, be curious. Like it wasn't your standard nutrition conference. And so like we had some people who'd never been to a wind event before, which is great. I love that so much. Um, and overall, like we had really great feedback from the event, but some of it was definitely like, I thought this was a nutrition conference and it's like not totally what I was expecting, which again, like you know, we had the agenda published, we had all the speakers listed, like folks knew what was on the agenda, but maybe even with that, like we are all humans and we don't read every piece of information and we don't like go through every email in detail. Right. So it's like a good piece of feedback for me as the host and the, like the event kind of provider and I'm like, our fall conference is mostly clinical application. So like, if that's what you're looking for, that's probably a better fit. And that's sort of been the pattern over the last few years is like, there's a lot more specific, like how to actually do this type sessions in the fall conference and a little bit more like big picture stuff at the spring. So, you know, sometimes it's just like the more people are integrated in our community, the more they understand that and they get it. Um, and kind of know what to expect and know what events might be a better fit for them. Um, and I'm hoping also, and we can talk about this maybe a little bit later, but we designed the foundations workshop to have a mix of everything. So it's not just nutrition. It's not just clinical application. Like it's some of that, but it's also research. It's also anti-racism. It's also social determinants of health. It's also body autonomy and healthism. Like we tried to bring in as many of the like really core concepts of inclusive care as we could in one workshop. <laughs> um, and we could definitely do better. Like we will revamp that and it will be a little bit different every time. But, you know, part of that is like when folks are really new to this, I want them to come in right away, understanding that this is not just how to write a PES statement differently, or how to provide different goals for your clients. Like it's a lot more than that.
0: No, I love all of this because I'm thinking about like how I do this in my obviously like my design work, but also I teach at the University of Georgia and mm. I teach the intro to nutrition course that kind of is open, it's open to everyone. Um, yep. so it's one of the choices for your requirements for that section. Um and you know, they're used to where they probably expect coming in that it's going to be a typical weight centric course. Yeah. Um, because I do like a little, you know, it's online. So I have them do like a, a discussion board where they introduce themselves and like ask some silly questions, like what's your favorite emoji or most used emoji and things like that to get to know them. But also ask like, why are you here? <laughs> like, why are you taking this course? Um, and a lot of them, a lot of them, but a lot of them do mention like, I want to learn how to eat healthier and like take care of my body. Um, and as the years have gone, I have seen fewer people mention weight as a reason why they've joined. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably because students talk and they know that my approach is different than the other courses. Yeah, <laughs> Because I kind of, I don't want to say I refuse, but I refuse <laughs> to talk about it from a weight centric and weight loss standpoint, like when we get to that chapter it's chapter nine and I actually call it chapter nine ish, <laughs> because, uh, it's a weight inclusive perspective of, you know, the history of BMI and, and things like that. Yeah. And I don't even present it. I don't say like, this is the weight inclusive nutrition section of this course. I don't even really say that. I just kind of do it. And I have them write reflection papers on the intuitive eating principles as an extra credit assignment. Um, I have them do the case study for the, my plate, they have to do my plate because it is a requirement. Um, yeah. But I try to do it from a perspective of a case study so that it's not them evaluating their own eating, which is how it's previously been done. Yeah. Um, so at least it's like, I write like this story every semester, usually a superhero because I just like superhero stuff. So this semester it's Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just think about all the different ways that I try to trickle that in. But when I, if I were to come in and say, this is straight weight, inclusive stuff to people that maybe don't want to learn about that, you know, they're just taking the course because it was a nutrition course or they're not ready. They might be a little interested, kind of that stages of change model. Yeah. Um, I know that they would be pretty resistant to it. I've only had like maybe one or two people push back and it's always the same it's the same comment every time it's really interesting because we'll get to that chapter and they'll say, well, what about obesity? You can't just let people be obese. And I'm like, uh,
1: mm.
0: I can let them exist. Yeah. Um, I have nothing exactly. to do with that.
1: Actually, Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's the only comment I ever really get, but I just always find it interesting when you do try to explain weight inclusive care and nutrition that people just immediately get on the defense if they're not ready for it. Because yeah. it's almost, I mean, I always say weight loss is kind of like a religion in a way, because people are so, you know, ingrained in it and it's like part of their identity that they've been taught for so long that it's hard to let go of it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even in, in this space, like there's a lot of phases of learning and unlearning. And like we as an organization are still figuring out like how to bring folks who are in different levels of learning and unlearning into the same room together right? Because that's tricky. Like, just to be really honest. It's very tricky. And I certainly could have done a much better job in Austin of like teeing up the conference at the beginning, like at the very beginning of the event. And I just at the moment wear too many hats and like, forget sometimes that like, that's part of my job. We're perfect. We're human. <laughs> yeah, We're human. We're learning. Um, but like, that's certainly something we all noted as a team for next time was like, there are a lot of things that like, could be really helpful to start with in the very beginning. of not just like, hi, thank you so much for coming. Is this your first wind event? Like, great to have you here. I'm Heather. Like, let's get started. Like that's pretty much what happened. And I'm, you know, especially as we grow, and like this event had a little over a hundred people, and that's our biggest in-person event. We've had bigger virtual events, but that's our biggest in-person. And it's really important to meet everyone where they are as much as we can, or at least I feel that that's going to be important going forward. And saying like, okay, here's the event that you came to. It's the future of weight-inclusive care, and let me talk to you a little bit about how we landed on that theme and what you're going to hear today, and who you're going to hear from, and like what that might mean for your practice. Um, and something I did, I mean, it's been years since I've done like a corporate wellness presentation, but I also spent years in corporate wellness. Um, and then you, I did some of that in my private practice days, because it was just like what I knew, and it was easy to like build into my work. And when I would present on anything non-diet, maybe intuitive eating, maybe health at every size, maybe a little bit of both. I started after a couple of like real a couple of times doing this and realizing it'd be helpful. I started saying to people like, Hey, I'm going to talk about nutrition in a way that maybe you've not heard somebody talk about nutrition before. And it might be a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit confusing. And I just want to acknowledge that. Like, I just want to name it because if I can at least do that at the beginning, there's a little bit of a softening from the people receiving the information. And then they're not like, so taken back by what we're discussing. Right. And like that applies in many different settings and wind is definitely one of them. So learning opportunity for me.
0: <laughs> no, that's exactly how I present the health at every size portion of the class that I teach. Like I do have a section on, you know, haze and weight inclusive care, specifically a presentation on that, that I added to the course. Mm-hmm. And I do do it the same way. I say, this is going to be different than what you've probably heard before. And you're probably going to feel uncomfortable and you're going to feel emotions come up. And I'm asking you to sit with those instead of reacting yeah. in the discussion.
1: Yeah. It's um, hard. hard to do yeah. that.
0: But I think like giving them, I know for me anyways, I love to be prepared. So if, if someone you know <laughs> kind of told me upfront, like, this is what to expect, then I, then I usually am much more receptive to you know, internally too, like of what they're talking about. Totally. Yeah. So let's see. We've talked a little bit about collaboration and like reaching out, but do you have any other examples or suggestions um, of you know either how Wind has collaborated with other healthcare professionals to have a more multidisciplinary approach or any suggestions for dietitians that are wanting to do that?
1: Yeah. So um uh, yeah, I guess my like initial version of that was, like I said, reaching out to folks who were in my network that worked in different areas and just kind of seeing like, would this be something you'd be interested in why and tell me more about what you would expect and things like that. Um, and then, of course, we do a ton of collaborating, like inviting speakers and educators. Like I have given a few presentations for WIND over the years, but I really try not to. <laughs> so, um, again, wearing too many hats, but also like I am not necessarily the person that folks should be learning from. So uh, collaborating with other providers, activists in this space, um, researchers, educators, etc. Like that is the foundation of our events. Like we don't have events without them. So that's incredibly important to what we do. Um, we do a lot of outreach to internship programs, educators, undergraduate programs, um, just to see like, hey, could we come talk to your class? Or like, is there any support we can give you? We have some professors who like purchase some of our trainings throughout the year and build it into their curriculum that semester or like for future semesters. Um, I've done like Q and A's with classes and stuff like that. But I mean, I feel like in any business type setting, like, like if you own any type of business, it doesn't exist without collaboration. Right. I don't know yeah. if that's a hot take, but like, it just doesn't. I mean, I agree, <laughs> but I don't know if it's a hot take. Either. I don't think that's <laughs> a hot take. I think it's just true. But I think about like, you know, the very first event that I hosted, like I reached out to Alyssa and was like, can you help me? Because you've hosted events in New York. And I like think that we would work well together and you live in New York. And that's great because I don't live in New York. Um, and like every time we have hosted an in-person event, if it's not where I live, I have to have somebody who's like on the ground locally, Shout out to Lauren Newman. Like, I don't know if she listens to this, but Lauren was our on the ground person in Austin, and about a quarter of her apartment was taken up with boxes for the event, which like I was not expecting. And she sent me a photo like two days before our event. I was like, Oh my gosh, Lauren, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know how we're gonna get all of those out of your apartment. Um, so like there's just no way that any of this happens without collaborating and I feel like that's a thing that I'm really good at. Like, it's just one of my strengths is like connecting people and building community and like being a host. It's what I really enjoy doing. I'm an introvert, but I feel like when I host, I kind of like bring my people together and that feels really good. Yep. So, Like I sort of have a sense of like, who's going to be in the room versus like walking into a room at a conference where they're like, this is a networking hour. I'm like, whoa, it's like kind yes. of there. I hate it. Um, so yeah, I think like there's no part of this that would exist without collaboration in like many, many different forms.
0: It's so funny you say that because I've said that probably on every episode. I feel like that I'm like, I love collaborating with people. That's why, honestly, why I started this podcast because I was like, I'm tired of trying to write blog posts because it just feels meh. And like, I'm tired of making reels because I just don't like, being the center. I like talking to other people and hearing about their experience because I can only say so much.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, I love hosting things and I hate networking in a group of people that I don't know. I'll do it. Um, and speaking of that, like I'm trying really hard to come in person this fall. It's like my goal for this year. Yeah. And I have like pretty much everything lined up except for my brain. <laughs>
1: I'm like I was gonna mm. say when we look at our surveys from every event even virtual over the last three years when everything was virtual for wins like every single survey is like why did you come or like what did you most enjoy being in the room with like-minded people being in the yes. room with like-minded providers like mm-hmm. there is you know you get this with like practice groups or interest groups or if you go to a conference it's like all eating disorder professionals or all sports nutrition like, there's a commonality already. Right. Versus like fancy to me is a version of hell because I'm like, it's just like too many people. First of all, it's too big. There's too many rooms. There's too many sessions happening all at the same time. I don't know where I'm going. Like, I just, there's nothing about it that I particularly enjoy, or there are very few things about it. I will say that I enjoy. Um, and part of it is just like, I don't know, like who all is there? And like my introvert brain doesn't love that, you know, like I can deal with it, but I don't love it. Whereas like you go to wind and you know, there's like at least one, like massively common thread across all participants, which is that like, we are curious about learning about working on applying to our practice, weight inclusive care. And like, at least we know that. Right. And that seems to like really help when you're connecting with people.
0: Yeah. No, you don't have to worry about like, well, if I say this, are they going to be, you know, not in agreement? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and make it awkward because then you have to get into the debate and defend <laughs> why you believe in weight inclusive care. Um. Let's see. Yeah. I think I've only been to fancy maybe once actually, because I just, like you said, that's not something that I'm like, wow, I really want to go. And also I never was a part of an organization that would pay for it for me.
1: Um, yeah, I've been twice and one was when I was at a job that paid for it. And I, I was working at a startup and I hosted a breakfast for some of the dietitians that we had partnered with during like up to that time who, like who I had worked with, we had like freelance writers, recipe developers, stuff like that. So we hosted a little breakfast. So I went in Nashville and then, but I don't think I even, I maybe walked through the expo for like a few minutes and was like hard pass on this. And then I went when it was in Philly in 2019 and it, I had a great time, but that's because I did almost exclusively external events. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Hosted a podcast panel. That was very fun. Hosted a wind coffee. That was fun. Went to the diversify fundraiser event. That was great. I went to like two sessions. Abby Wambach was the keynote speaker. I was like, well, I definitely want to go see Abby speak. So I'm going to go to that. Um, but yeah, you like made, kind of- you made your own version of a win conference, basically, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, it was really fun. But I think that is why you know some people really enjoy going is like you do get to have all of those kind of one off events and like see your people in smaller spaces and like smaller groups. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess I didn't. I can't, I think I went to the one
0: in Atlanta, which would make sense because it was it's close to yeah. where I live. Yeah. Um, and I think I was pregnant at the time too, so it wasn't like. You know, uh, <laughs> super fun. <laughs> I wasn't going to go out and like party or anything, obviously. So, this is something that me and Jennifer McGurk talked about on the episode like a week or two ago um, about how our businesses have evolved and like why and what we did to kind of, you know, evolve with what our audience was actually wanting. Can you kind of talk about that from a wind perspective?
1: Yeah. And I'll try to tie it into design a little bit because I think as that has happened, sort of the thing that has felt really grounding to me is like the core pieces of wind have been the same. And so like, even as it has grown and like what we offer has changed a little bit, our tone and voice is the same, our colors are the same, our logo is the same, which like not all those things have to be true. Those might change and evolve as well. But like kind of keeping that foundation has felt really good. And part of that was like doing a lot of work from the beginning to put that foundation into place, knowing that like, this isn't me, right? It's not my private practice. It's not like my personal podcast or my RD Real Talk podcast. Like this is a thing on its own that I like happened to have had an idea for. And I want to like build that foundation so that it can grow and evolve with or without me like with or without my voice or my words or my like face or anything. Right. So I mean, the core pieces are again, like community connection and education, and that has never changed. But as things have like, as we've grown and as we've had different offerings, I would say the big things that have changed, um, that have sort of surprised me have been like the um, opening a membership. So like, that was not something I wanted to do <laughs> necessarily. Uh, to be honest, it just felt like very intimidating. It was sort of like a clear need, but not something I wanted to touch. So like, even in 2019, like after our first event, like that was a conversation being had of like, will there be like a wind membership? Is this like a professional membership organization? And I was like, no, we just do events. Like it's just events. That's what we're sticking to. Um, trying to keep it like very simple and manageable because at the time it was just me. And I also had a private practice and I also had a podcast and I also have kids. And I was like, this is like too wild. Um, but I think the, yeah. So opening the membership was like an idea that we toyed with a lot last year. And I think between that and me having a third kid, <laughs> and realizing like my brain can't like do all of these things anymore. Like I can't manage a private practice and a podcast that's separate from wind and an organ, like this organization as it's growing. And I was like, if I have to do one thing, like, what is it? And it was this, like, that's what I really wanted to do. So once I was able to like meet myself in that place, and then I have, I feel like I had this like huge blank whiteboard of like, okay, now what do you want to do? And like, that's what made space for the membership and what made space for like, oh, I've been thinking about this foundations workshop. Like, how do we make that happen? And what does it look like? And then also like really made space for hosting in-person events again. I think we definitely could have stayed virtual. Like a lot of companies in this space and groups in this space like have been stayed and remain virtual like everything is online right like i can think of a couple of organizations that have that's just been their business model and there's certainly a lot of reasons to do that um but i just feel like what we saw initially and what i wanted to come back to was like that feeling of like actually being in the room together it's really powerful and people really crave that so um yeah, I don't know if I've like directly answered that question, but I think being open to like hearing what our community was asking for and that was like membership over and over and over and I just was like, yeah, no. <laughs> like I don't I don't know how to do it. I don't know what that looks like. It's intimidating to me. I kept like pushing it off, but ultimately like conversations just kept coming back to that. So I think as your vision or your actual business like changes and evolves, just like keeping an ear open, you know, like I think it can be as a business owner and especially in a case like this, where you build a business for something that you also wanted and needed or currently want and need, it's almost too easy to just like look in the mirror and be like, well, what would I want? Or what would be good for me? Or like, if I were the customer, like what, what kind of product would I want or would I need? And like, it's not just me. Right. Like there's a whole community of people who are asking for certain things. And so like, we just have to keep an ear to that. And that's super, that's been like super important over the past couple of years. Um, and then I think like something that I struggled with for a really long time, and I don't think there's a clear path from like point A to point B with this, but I definitely was like, I do better when I have lots of different things.
0: <laughs> I'm like, pointing at myself because like, yes, same.
1: <laughs> and like, there's no question in my mind that wind would have stayed quote unquote, just a continuing education event once or twice a year for forever and never be more than that. If I really dug my heels in with that, which I did for a while, like I was really convinced of it for a long time like I just do better or like, it's, you know, better for my brain or like better for all of my businesses when I'm able to do a variety of things mm-hmm. and like truth be told. And again, this is like not a linear path. You can't just be like, Oh, well, I heard someone say this on a podcast. So I'm just going to do one thing. Like we have to like learn that for ourselves, The hard way, The <laughs> hard way, like over and over again. And I really think that you know, like my vision for this initially was just like, oh, it's a fun side project. Like I'll do these two events a year and it'll be a fun side project. Like, LOL, that events are a side project. <laughs> They're definitely not. Um, when I like finally gave myself the space a year ago to be like, I have to just do one thing. And like my life sort of like forced me along that path. Right. Like I don't know that I would have gotten there without the experience of having three kids. I mean, I trust that I would have gotten there at some point, but I think like the three kids young in a season of life where like, I really couldn't manage more than I, I wasn't able to manage everything that I currently had on my plate. It was sort of like a, this is a decision of necessity, but you know, we're in the entrepreneur space. Like everyone starts out doing lots of different, or most people start out doing a lot of different things. And it's really hard to hear this message of like, your one thing will probably do more than you can even imagine if you just lean into it. And that's not to say that's like the only right choice. Like you don't have to grow anything to something massive. You don't have to like have all these like numbers goals or whatever, but if you're feeling kind of stuck or frustrated, or like you're kind of spinning your wheels with something, like get curious about whether <laughs> like doing five things is really serving mm-hmm. you versus like doing kind of one thing really well, whatever that might mean for you, right? Like I don't yeah. mean to project any version of or definition of success or well or good or whatever, um, but I know for me it felt like a tremendous relief to let go of some other things and like lean in. That is this,
0: I have the same story. I felt like recently, because it took me a year to finally be like, I literally just two weeks ago, probably put on my private practice website that I'm not taking clients anymore mm-hmm. because it has been really hard for me to let go. Cause I kind of associated it with, this is just my own personal thing. I associated it with failure. Cause it was like, oh, that means I failed at this. And it's not because, I mean, like I'm choosing to not do it. Um, I still have like two clients left that I'm like going to see to the end. <laughs> um, but it has, hit, again, I said this before, I love my clients. I love the work I did, but it burnt me out. Um, I'm an eating source survivor myself. So like I could only do so much of that. Um, yeah. And technology and website stuff and design stuff just like makes me happy. And I didn't, again, didn't realize that people would actually pay me to do it because I thought everyone could just, they would do it, do it themselves. Like I was doing, I thought everyone was doing that. Apparently they're not doing that. Um, but yeah, it's been a challenge to let it go and figure out like what I want to do with it. Cause I don't want to like, just completely close the whole thing. Like I want it to be something. I just am trying to play around with what that is, but it's yeah. not seeing people one-on-one and it's not me actively like you know, continuing to create content for that side or that business specifically. So majority yeah. of my time is decklet designs. And then I do teach the one class at UGA just because I enjoy teaching and it's online.
1: So yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I I was talking to a friend a few months ago who knows me very well. And we worked together a few years ago and she was like, okay, so what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just doing when She's like, no, what else are you doing? I'm like, no, I'm just doing win. She's like, nope, what else are you doing? <laughs> It's like, I promise. And I was like, oh wait, I have a few business coaching clients.
0: Yep. <laughs> that
1: true. That is true. But it's a very small load and it's very manageable. And then like I have this creative, I have this like creative side thing that I do, a podcast and a substack. And like that has not thrived because like it can't, because I can't do all of these things, right? And I sort of feel like starting that has been like fun and therapeutic in some ways, but it was also like, I do feel like my brain just keeps being like, what if you just like dip your toe in with this other thing? And then like, no brain, stop it. Like <laughs> we am not doing that anymore. We don't do that. You know, brain like, is trying to torture us. I know that the they're just like testing <laughs> our boundaries. Yeah. So
0: something I do, cause I have lots of thoughts like that. Um, and I've said this before, but I have I section in my ClickUp that's called my parking lot. Yeah. And anytime I have an idea, I just like dump it there. It's kind of like when you wake up in the night and you have stuff on your mind, you just like write it down. That's my version of that.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I have a list on my phone and I just like most ignore <laughs> it, but it feels yeah. good to just put it somewhere.
0: Yeah, because I'm like, if I don't write it down, I'll forget.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I have a terrible memory. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on this week. I've always admired all the work that you've done and I love chatting with you. So tell us where we can find wind and tell us where they can find out about the course.
1: Yeah. So we have, um, weight inclusive nutrition is the main website and on there, you'll find information about our professional membership, our upcoming events, which our next event is in Denver. Courtney, you alluded to that. I hope we see you there in person. Um, we will be there right before Fancy, just kind of capturing folks who want a little bit of both. And then it's in Denver. So I was like, well yeah, we could go hang out in Denver. That sounds fun. Um, and our foundations workshop. So as I alluded to a little bit earlier, we started the foundations or we kind of wanted to offer something that was more of like a level one training. Cause a lot of our events now kind of teeter on level one, level two, but more are kind of more catered to folks who have a general understanding of weight inclusive care and want to continue to build on that. Cause that was kind of the initial part. Like our initial community was like, yeah, I know this, but I want to know more. Um, and as we've grown and our membership is open free to students and interns, we're getting a lot more people who are like curious, but really have not done a lot of training or reading or self-education or anything. So the foundations workshop is meant to be a starting point and to build that foundation of weight inclusive care and then to build on that through additional resources, trainings, books, wind events, etc. So those are our main things. And they're all at weightinclusivenutrition.com.
0: Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show and we'll see you next week. Are you tired of DIYing your website and brand, but maybe you're afraid to let someone who doesn't quite understand what you do, do it for you? Well, as someone who has experience in both the health and design industries, I'm uniquely qualified to help weight-inclusive private practices and businesses create beautiful brands and websites that showcase their talents and vision while staying true to their values. You can reach out today to chat about my services, or you can check out my free resources on my website, and you can also get the link in my show notes. And don't forget, you can always come hang out with me on Instagram where I share tips and tricks and of course, a few cat photos and memes as well. Thanks for tuning in to the Dietitian Turned Designer Podcast. As your host, I'm passionate about providing valuable insights and actionable tips to help entrepreneurs, designers, and help professionals build weight-inclusive businesses that prioritize authenticity, compassion, and inclusivity. We've had some amazing conversations with industry experts about topics from weight-inclusive design to web development, marketing, and more. And we're not stopping there. We've got even more great content coming your way. So thank you for being a part of this journey with us, whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or just starting out, we hope you'll feel inspired to use your designs and marketing as tools for positive change in the world of health and wellness.